RC Top 3, a weekly podcast of the top three stories from Regnum Christi. The Way of St. Joseph, Part 4, Betrothal, by Father Daniel Brandenburg, L.C. Complementarity in Relationship An engineer's intelligence can be a burden. I know, because my dad's DNA is half of mine. Engineers are brainy, logical, good at math, efficiency finders, and problem solvers. My dad could fix almost anything in his welding shop, except for hearts, emotions, relationships, or any of the most important things in life. In fact, he felt pretty uncomfortable with all these things, and an abundance of engineering intelligence seems to have left less room for emotional intelligence. It's a good thing my mom was around to pick up the pieces. Complementarity is central to every healthy relationship, because no human being is perfect, has all the qualities and virtues, or can fulfill themselves. We need each other for balance, completion, and fulfillment. The marriage of Joseph and Mary was no different. There are two fascinating tidbits that Scripture points out immediately before and after introducing Joseph as a just man. First, Joseph was betrothed to Mary, and second, he was a tecton. Those two traits could be on a collision course if we do not marry them in this complementarity. Let me explain what I mean. Let's first explore tecton, a word in Greek that could be translated as builder, craftsman, carpenter, woodworker, or stonemason. An architecton was a master builder, giving us our word for those who design construction projects, architect. So a tecton was a simple builder, and in that time and place, Builders worked with many materials to build projects, just as they do today. Usually we translate tecton as carpenter, though the original language of the passage leaves it more generic as builder. Whatever the case, Joseph was a man who knew how to use wood, stone, or metal to build, bring order out of chaos, and carefully direct outcomes. He was a man in control. I like to think that Joseph excelled at his trade and was well respected. After all, even decades later, Jesus is known by Joseph's reputation, or is referred to as the Tecton's son. To get that good, Joseph had to be smart and hardworking. He may have had an engineering mind, logical, efficient, problem-solver. Conceding Control Mary, on the other hand, was a teenage girl. They are not known for logic, efficiency, or drama-less existence. Flowering beauty, exuberance of discovery, and generous empathy are more characteristic. Just because this particular girl was immaculately conceived doesn't mean she didn't experience humanity, the fluctuation of hormones, or a feminine approach to life that likely baffled Joseph. This is where the second trait mentioned in Scripture sows chaos into the equation. Mary was betrothed to Joseph. This threw Joseph's carefully calculated world into chaos. What implications derive from this betrothal? I see three, and they expose fears that Joseph would have faced and overcome with virtue and grace. First, there was the contrast between personal and public commitment. Second, the emotional roller coaster of it all. Third, the flourishing of love in accepting mutual complementarity. Let's explore each of those. First, the contrast. Various threads of Christian tradition hint that Mary, and possibly even Joseph, had made vows of virginity to consecrate their lives to God. If Mary and Joseph had personal wishes to remain virgin, why would either have agreed to betrothal? 
Did they agree to it out of social pressures or parental preference? Was their public arrangement a ploy to avoid harassing questions or nosy neighbors getting into their business? These are all questions that Scripture doesn't answer for us. What we know is that they were engaged, but not yet living together. This brings us to the second dimension of betrothal, the intense emotions. Whatever the agency of it, the betrothal was in place, and in spite of possible prior intentions, both Mary and Joseph must have experienced emotions similar to those that every engaged couple does. There was the initial fear of rejection, wondering if the other would find them attractive, lovable, and someone they'd want to live with for life. Just like us, Joseph and Mary must have experienced the insecurity of the coquettish period of seeking a life partner, with the deep desire to be known and loved. And once the betrothal agreement had been made, a further deluge of mixed emotions of excitement, trepidation, fear of the commitment, and of everything marriage will entail. This brings us to the third dimension of their betrothal, the discovery of complementarity. Joseph and Mary were not the same, compatible couples never are, and each brought the richness of their personality, experiences, and thought patterns into their blossoming relationship. As with lovers everywhere and in every period of time, the path of mutual discovery is delightful, occasioning laughter, tears, connectedness, and intimacy that fills our hearts with something we didn't even realize we were missing. This is the complementarity of healthy relationships. More emerges than what the two put into it. There is something beautiful, fulfilling, and creative reflected in human connectedness, and in marriage, the emergence of a new life nine months later. The sum is greater than the parts, and through love, goodness grows in the world. From Control to Commitment For St. Joseph, all of this had to have been frightful. For a man used to control and the straightforward logic of shaping wood for building, the insecurity of relationship, emotions, commitment, and complementarity was enough to incite terror. How did he overcome this fear? We can surmise how he overcame any reservations by looking at the pattern which emerges from the rest of his life, where three interrelated factors continually come into play. Rooted relationship, receptivity, and determined action. First, rooted relationship. Joseph was a man steeped in the faith of his fathers, and his knowledge and observance of Scripture and the Torah are repeatedly noted in the Gospels. He is rooted in God. His relationship with Mary also roots him, because his work and thoughts revolve around caring for her, providing, protecting, and loving. With his foster son, he exercises tenderness, patient fathering, and responsibility. These rooted relationships do not make him rigid, but rather solid. Second, Joseph learns receptivity, which is neither the frenetic activism of a control mindset nor the passivity of the laissez-faire simply drifting through life. He was attentive to the voice of God speaking to him through the subtleties of daily life, his own native intelligence, creation surrounding him, the closed doors and open windows of opportunity, a word from Mary, and the comment of friends. Scripture narrates four occasions when he was so attuned to God's voice that suggestions and dreams are perceived by him as divine commands, and in each case his swift action, our third trait, avoids disaster and furthers God's plans. Joseph doesn't dilly-dally. As soon as he perceives something as God's will, he acts. Quickly, decisively, conscientiously. This, then, is how Joseph overcame the natural fear of betrothal, his doubts of whether he was worthy of her or if she would accept him, 
and trepidation about whether he could stick with this commitment. His roots, attentive listening, and ready obedience led Joseph to acknowledge and move past his fears, to commit to Mary, and to undertake the uncertainties that married life entails. What a model for dating couples, especially young men, in our own day. After the proper discernment, don't be afraid to commit to the love that entails lifelong commitment. Questions for Reflection 1. What insecurities or fears have I discovered in myself in my closest relationships? 2. Perfect love casts out all fear, affirms St. John in 1 John chapter 4, verse 18. How could I better face each of those fears I have identified with more perfect love? 3. How could I have a more rooted relationship with God, whose love alone can give me all the security and strength I need? 4. How well am I learning receptivity to the values, insights, and gifts of the people closest to me? In what ways could I better embrace complementarity? Awareness or acceptance of my limitations? Greater vulnerability about my own needs? Enhanced appreciation and gratitude for their gifts? 5. How could I pay more attention to God's voice in my life? Are there areas where obedience of determined action would be helpful? 6. How much does the firm commitment to love exhibited by St. Joseph motivate me? Am I proud to have him as a model for faith, action, and Christian commitment? Regnum Christi Down Under, A Faithful Father's Legacy Very early on Christmas morning, Michael Devereux passed away in his hometown of Dunedin, New Zealand. Father of seven sons, including three priests of the Legionaries of Christ, Michael was a devoted husband and father who leaves behind a family legacy of faithful and generous service to the Church and Regnum Christi. Michael Devereux was born in Dunedin into a strong Catholic family. The second of five children, Michael grew up close to the family's parish of St. Mary's, Kaikorai, where he served as an altar boy, and fellow parishioners and the local priests were frequent visitors to their house. The presence of God was a constant reality in the Devereux family. They prayed together daily, and the Mass and the sacraments were integral in their lives. Steeped in the Catholic faith, Michael grew up knowing that God loved him with a personal, intimate, infinite love, and his faith grew stronger year by year. By the time he was in his early twenties, he had finished his formal studies and was working as an accountant, and he was ready to settle down and start a family. Because he had a great devotion to Our Lady of Perpetual Succor, Michael asked for her intercession in finding a wife, and Our Lady wasted no time. Michael soon met his wife, Marie, at a tennis tournament in Christchurch, and by the end of the weekend, the two were already informally engaged. Michael and Marie were married before the end of the following year, in 1959, in Wellington, New Zealand. Michael passed on that atmosphere of faith in which he was raised to his own family. He and Marie had seven children in total, all boys. Michael and Marie's mission to raise their sons with a deep understanding and a profound love of their Catholic faith soon began to bear fruit. In 1985, their fourth son, Peter, approached them with the news that he felt a call to the priesthood. Father George Duggan, who was serving at St. Patrick's College, Silverstream, the boarding school that many of Michael's sons attended, passed on the name of a missionary priest who had just come to New Zealand and who might be able to help Peter with his discernment process. That priest was Father Anthony Bannon, L.C., and after some discussion and planning, Michael and Murray traveled with Peter and his younger brother, Matthew, to visit the novitiate of the Legionaries of Christ in Cheshire, Connecticut, and there on to Rome to meet the Legionary community there.
the trip, and the Legionaries of Christ had an enormous impact on the family, and two years later, in 1987, Peter began his studies to become a Legionary priest. After visiting Peter several times, often with some of their other sons in tow, and witnessing his joy in his vocation, they decided to become members of Regnum Christi themselves, and were incorporated in Rome in 1991 during the 50th anniversary of the Legionaries of Christ. That same year, their son, Matthew, who had accompanied them on that first trip with Peter to meet the Legionaries of Christ, decided to join the order as well, and in 1997, their youngest son, Simon, followed. Peter was ordained a legionary priest in the year 2000, Matthew in 2004, and Simon in 2010. Father Peter is currently serving in Raleigh, North Carolina. Father Matthew is in Krakow, Poland, and Father Simon is in San Jose, California. Throughout his life, Michael, along with his wife, Marie, worked to establish Regnum Christi in New Zealand and Australia. The couple sponsored the road teams of legionary priests and consecrated women that would make the annual trip down under to offer spiritual guidance and accompaniment, and to establish and develop the Regnum Christi section in the cities of Sydney, Melbourne, and Adelaide in Australia, and in Auckland and Dunedin in New Zealand. One of the highlights of Regnum Christi's presence in Australasia was the youth and family encounter held in Sydney, followed by World Youth Day in 2008. Over the years, Michael and Marie sponsored many young men and women to travel to the United States and Europe so that they too could experience the charism of Regnum Christi and further supported these individuals in their various academic and apostolic endeavors. Through the couple's help and encouragement, many initiatives were established in New Zealand, including retreats led by Legionaries of Christ and consecrated women of Regnum Christi, various youth camps, and regular Eucharistic adoration in their hometown of Dunedin. Today, Many people from New Zealand and Australia can attribute their vocations to the priesthood, to the consecrated life, and to a lay life committed to service and charity, to the quiet testimony and generosity of Michael and Marie, who, despite all obstacles, worked diligently to share the charism of Regnum Christi down under, with constant prayer and trust in God's guidance. Their son, Andy, who hopes to carry on his father's legacy of faith and mission, sees promise for the future of Regnum Christi down under, and expects that new digital opportunities for virtual encounters and formative talks will allow the Regnum Christi spirit of faith and apostolate that his parents established in New Zealand and Australia to live on. Missions and the material God uses to build the kingdom. Holy Week is just around the corner. It is incredible to think that one year after the COVID-19 pandemic began, there will be 17 different Holy Week missions taking place in 10 different cities, as well as a week-long virtual mission. It is such a blessing to have these opportunities to reach out and share God's love in this Holy Week. Holy Week is clearly Mission Week for Regnum Christi members, but it does not need to end there. The mission does not end on Easter Sunday. Rather, it is meant to be something that continues into your daily life, to become a missionary in your own home, your school or workplace, and your neighborhood. In that way, cultural change takes place, renewing society with gospel values. Emily, a missionary from New York City, understands how that works. A few weeks ago, she gathered together with 13 other young adults from across the region with Father Jorge Obregón, L.C., for a mission day. The missionaries started with Mass, where Father Jorge asked them to consider what building materials we are offering God every day so he can build a place for us to live in heaven. Afterwards, they broke out into teams to gather the building materials for the day in the form of white bread turkey, mayonnaise, and cheese, along with some socks and mittens, juice boxes, and cookies. 
One woman, when asked if she needed anything else, softly and hopefully asked for a large coffee with milk and sugar. The missionaries went across the street to get her order and returned with a steaming hot coffee. Another woman asked if they had a rosary to spare. I need a rosary, she cried in anguish. I'm always praying, and look what God brought me today, but I need a rosary, please. They rummaged in their pockets and were frustrated that they did not foresee this need, making a mental note for next time. A few minutes later, Emily found a rosary in her purse, so she walked back to offer it to her, telling her that Our Lady wanted her to have it. The woman put it around her neck and simply told Emily, It will do. At the end of the mission day, the young adults brainstormed together how to continue the mission. A common theme was the importance of serving in person, face-to-face, and how grateful they were to have the opportunity to do so. With COVID fears and shutdowns, it had seemed reasonable over the last months to stay out of the inner cities and focus on sheltering in place. However, the needs of the poor remain, and there is nothing quite like encountering a person face-to-face while still ensuring that the missions are carried out with precautions to protect the health and safety of all, especially those they are going out to serve. Are you interested in building up this missionary lifestyle in your community or city? Join the Mission Youth National Support Team for the first annual Mission Youth Summit. From April 30th to May 2nd, you can join other missionaries in a mission experience, small group sessions, brainstorming, and strategizing to together build a mission vision for the next year until Holy Week 2012. You can join us in person in Philly or connect virtually. Sign up today. For more resources, visit www.regnumchristi.org or download the Regnum Christi English app today.